0: We're continuing our message on uh, this morning, when we talked this morning, hi, goodbye. hi, goodbye. Sorry, she just woke up. <laughs> That's our grandbaby back here, and she doesn't come in hardly ever, so we got to see her this week for Thanksgiving, so we were excited about that. But we're going to continue in the book of John, um, the shepherd-servant the shepherd, servant, leader. And Pastor Brad had started uh, this uh, on discipleship, on the the Great Commission, um, and the importance of reaching the lost, the importance of the great commission and reaching the lost, bringing people into the kingdom of God. And then not only that, but discipleship, discipling them from that point and making sure that they are rooted, that people become strong in the house of God, that they become strong in their faith. And so this is so important to uh, the kingdom of God. God looks at this as an important piece because he tells us in Matthew 28, that we're to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so we're not just to make converts, we're to make disciples, people that follow after Christ, follow his principles and follow his word, becoming strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. So that is what we're called to do. If that's what we're called to do, then we're called to be leaders. Servant leaders. And so I talked a little bit this morning and gave a little bit of an introduction about the difference between how the world looks at a leader, and that's rooted in uh, how the how their culture, how their society is, the background and the roots of that particular nation or country. And that's how people view leadership. So there's a lot of countries or a lot of uh, nations that view leadership in the way of a tyrant ruler or a someone that rules And tries to hold people down instead of empowering them to live at a higher level. And so that's the difference between rulership and the servant leader or the shepherd leader, which is the model that Christ gives us in his word. And so there's there's a big difference how God wants us to, to lead than how the world shows us how to lead. And so we're to follow the model of Christ, and he is called the good shepherd. And we've been talking about that over the last couple weeks, the good shepherd. And of course, he goes through uh, this whole passage of scripture in John 10, and we're going to hit on that again. So if you don't mind turning to John John 10 again John 10 and we'll just start at verse 1 and and read down through what we read through this morning through verse 18 well we'll read through 16 I tell you the truth the man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them. And his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger in fact they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice jesus used this figure of speech but they did not understand what he was telling them therefore jesus said again i tell you the truth i am the gate for the sheep all whoever came before me were thieves and robbers but the sheep did not listen to them i am the gate whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it the man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep i am the good shepherd i know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the father knows me and i know the father i lay down my life for the sheep i have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen i must bring them also they too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. We'll stop there tonight. But this morning, let's pray first before we get into the message. Father, we thank you for this passage of scripture. I thank you that you give us the model of the good shepherd the understanding of what good leadership is I pray father this this evening that you would instill in our hearts the the importance of leadership and that each person in here how you are calling them to be a a person of influence and a person that impacts their family and their workplace their schools lord that you would cause a boldness to rise up in them that they will desire to have a great impact to be the light of the world that you call us to be the salt of the earth father I pray that you would put a hunger and a desire in each one of us for your purposes for your passion to will and to do what your kingdom father is needing at this time in this hour which is labors in the field we pray father that each one of us would be labors that hear your voice and we follow you and a stranger we will never follow in Jesus name we pray amen Amen. So this morning we got into the, the fact that Jesus uses this idea of the good shepherd as a as a model of what good leadership is. And as I said before, a ruler tends to uh, try to keep people under, tries to keep people uh, beneath, and sets themselves up as higher, whether by title, by deed, whatever it may be. But they don't try to uh, bring people up and give people space. And of course, that was the first thing that we talked about. If you remember, we covered three points this morning. And the first one was allows opportunity. So if you're catching up with us, that was number one was that a good shepherd allows opportunity and so they are like the gate they will allow people to come in and to go out and to have space to be able to uh learn, to be able to uh, grow in the things of God, grow in uh, learning leadership themselves and learning how to, how to uh, come into their own concerning the things of God. So that is so important because a person cannot learn unless they ex- exercise and activate the things that are being taught to them because head knowledge can only go so far. You have to have experiential knowledge where you actually get in there and begin to do things, get in there and begin to pray, get in there and begin to uh, lead, get in there and, and, and begin to lead people to the Lord, get someone saved, do the ministry. And so there has to be a place where they begin to exercise those things that they're learning. And like I said, this impacts no matter whether you're a a mother, a father, whether you're in the school, whether you're at work, your coworkers, people are around to to be influenced all over the place. And so how we do that matters. And so we want to be a people that are pulling people in, but not only us leading, but we teach others how to lead. Why is that? Because your efforts are multiplied. When you're able to teach others what to do, then you're only multiplying and and maximizing the efforts. And so it begins to, uh, you know, it's like that snowball effect where things begin to grow and grow, and and it gets faster and faster. And after, it's called momentum. The law of momentum, when things get going so fast you can't stop it, it'll run you over. But that's a good thing when it's done for the kingdom of God. So we went to allow opportunity. And if you did not uh, get an opportunity to hear this morning, then I I, um, recommend you go back and listen to uh, what was discussed this morning to get the details of the first three points. But number two was the good shepherd sacrifices. He sacrifices. It says he will lay down his life for the sheep. He will lay down his life for the sheep. And we talked about how it's not, a, it's not the matter of sacrificing what the sheep want him to do, but what the call requires him to do. And there's a difference. Because we as leaders answer to the chief shepherd. So we're not answering to the sheep, that is who is entrusted to us, but we answer to the chief shepherd. So we get our commission from him. So a sacrifice may be calling the hard shot, it may be doing the hard thing in that moment for the betterment of the whole flock, for the betterment of the whole picture, the whole scenario, the whole situation. And it takes a leader to make those hard, hard calls sometimes. Because it's not always easy. Sometimes a leader has to do the hard thing because they see ahead. They see what's coming and they see how they need to uh, situate certain things in order to be able to grow and to do, to bring more people in, whatever the case may be. But a leader is going to look, he's going to look at the dangers, he's going to look at the impact. And then the, the leader comes back and begins to situate and begins to give space, but also Uh, being able to sacrifice, just as we talked about David, put himself in in front of the lion and the bear. Even when the lion and the bear turned on him, he grabbed a hold of it. It says it seized him, but he grabbed a hold of it and killed it. So he did not run. He did not run. And, of course, it talks about how the hireling will run. They will not sacrifice. They will not do the hard thing. They run and number 3 what was number 3 produce that's right so a shepherd leader produces there's productivity there's there's the production and it says that he has sheep other sheep that he has to bring into the sheep pen and so he's producing he he says this isn't we're not just going to maintain we're not just gonna just watch this right here and and over time it just gradually dwindles but no we go out and we bring in more in fact we talked about genesis where the very first commandment was to be fruitful to multiply to feel and to subdue and those those four things three out of the four have to do with increase and then the fourth has to do with management of that increase So, God calls, He looks time and time again, He tells us time and time again in parables about increase and what we use our talents for and how we're going to give an account of what we produce on Judgment Day. So, let's get into those, were the first three, but let's get into number four. So, let's read verse 14. Verse 14. It says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Well, that first part, I know my sheep. And even up in, um, let me see here. Verse 3, the watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. He knows each one by name, because in those days what what happened many times is shepherds would put all their sheep into one sheepfold, and so whenever they would take them back out, then the shepherd would go and he would call his sheep and he has a certain call, and then those sheep, his sheep will follow him, but the other sheep won't follow him. In fact, when we were doing the young adults, I showed them a a video of that, and it was it was neat to watch because they have they had four or five other people try to come up and give the the sheep that's out in the field this certain call that the shepherd does and they each tried it they each tried the call that the shepherd does and they, the sheep just stood there they didn't even move they just kept chewing grass chewing grass each one would go up and try to do it about four of them and then all of a sudden the shepherd steps up and he does his call and all the sheep their heads go up and they immediately start running towards the shepherd Because they knew the shepherd's voice, a voice of another they will not follow. And so this speaks of intimacy. He knows each sheep. He knows each one by name. He knows you by name. Well, what does that say about us as being a good shepherd also? If we're discipling, if if we are investing in people, then we need to know them. We need to know the, the things that they face and not be disconnected from the, what it is that they deal with, what life is like for them. Like knowing them, do they have a family? Do they have children? What, you know, what is, where do they work? What do they deal with on a daily basis? Knowing each one by name, knowing each one intimately so where you can pray for them, where you know the, what they face, what the, what the issues are that are ahead of them. Because it's only by knowing someone will they care what you say. When they know you care, then you will be able to have greater influence in their life. So knowing someone is so important. In fact, that word to know means to have first-hand knowledge, to come to realize or to come to know. And that means that you've spent time with them, to come to realize or to come to know. I've come to know them. That means time spent with them, right? How did, how did um, all you husbands and wives get to know each other? Was it just like one phone call and then it was like, hey, babe, will you marry me? No. It was like you spent a lot of time probably on the phone, like countless hours on the phone with each other, getting to know each other, going out with one another, spending time together, getting to know one another. And it's that coming to realize who they are. And that's what Jesus wants to do with us. He knows each one of us. God created each one of us. But we're to do the same where we come to know who people are, not because... Not because we're to, to get in there and say, man, your situation's just hard, and man, that's tough. I don't know what to say. No, you're bringing Jesus into the, into the situation. Just like Pastor Brad talked about the other day, as you're going down the line of discipleship, you're pointing them every step of the way to Jesus until they can finally come to that place where they know how to look to Jesus themselves in every situation, and they're standing strong. So you're teaching them and showing them what the scripture says, what God says in his word about their situation. But how can you do that if you don't know what they're facing? How can you do that if if you have no idea what they're going through? So it says, I know my sheep by by name. That means close conversation. It doesn't just mean you... You know, I'm calling to give you your your daily devo. You know, the Bible says this and okay, goodbye. It's knowing them and what they deal with. Getting to know who they are. Emotionally connected with them. You know, it's interesting because a few years back, I did a, a whole series on Psalms 23, and it's an amazing thing. I, I, I love the whole analogy between the sheep and the shepherd, and there's so much depth there of, of what Jesus shows us in, the, in that picture. But one of the things that the shepherd does with the staff, one of the purposes of the staff that he has is that he actually inspects the sheep. And he runs that staff over, over the wool of the sheep because it gets into the, into the folds of the wool and the shepherd can see if there's briars, if there's ticks, if there's insects, if there's uh, wounds, if there's cuts, if there's anything there that's causing underneath all that wool that, you know, sheep have thick wool. And so you can't see everything of what's underneath there until you begin to look through and separate. And so he uses that staff and he'll separate the wool. And he looks in to see if there's things that are causing an irritation or causing a wound, causing an infection. And he'll take care of it. And so many times, you know, this is what God does with us. His Holy Spirit... You know, we sit in service, and then it's those ouch moments (laughs) where the Holy Spirit starts sifting, and we're going, ouch? Well, that's what he's doing with the staff. And so many times we don't like it through the person, but many times he's already, if he's already dealing with you and you're not listening, he'll speak it through a person. And then we get mad at the person. And the thing is, God's just sending them our way because he's trying to help you. And he's saying, there's things going on underneath the surface here. This is going to cause a problem. This is going to fester and get infected. This is going to cause a bigger issue. You're going to start limping because of this. And so that staff was part of that reason, was to inspect. It also provided a comfort because the staff would be held up against the sheep as a comfort measure. It's like an arm extended for the sheep to feel like that's part of the shepherd. Our dog is like that. Our dog, Nahe, she's she's very, She wants to be right there beside you. She just wants your hand on her, and and, and that's a comfort to her. And if we don't pay any attention, then she'll go outside, and she's got this certain patch of sticks in this tree where it's just low enough to to reach her backside, and she'll get in up underneath there and, and start rubbing her back herself on that branch. But it's that comfort of knowing, that extension of knowing that the master's close. He's right there. And so that rod, that staff, those were things to help protect and to comfort the sheep. All right, moving on. So intimacy number four. Same verse, I know my sheep and my sheep know me. My sheep know me. This has to do with trust. My sheep know me. That means there's going to be a level of transparency that the good leader, the good shepherd leader has with those that he's leading. This can be hard sometimes for people. Not so hard for others. But sometimes, like this is important to develop trust and it's important for people to understand and realize that there's a trust, a consistency, a a transparency, that you're genuine, that you're authentic, that you are who you say you are, and that you truly care. So it's not just one-sided that you know the sheep but they don't know anything about you. You you know everything about them. But you, you keep them out here, and you don't let them, you don't let them see any part of your life. Jesus, <laughs> Jesus came on earth and walked earth for 30 years, 33 years, thir- three years of ministry. But those three years he spent with his disciples, what did he do? Intimacy, letting them see how God flowed through him letting them see the life he lived, letting them see the day in and the day out. He said, birds have nests and foxes have holes, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And he told that particular man to, to go back home, but there were others that followed. And they saw. They saw how he lived. They saw the, the things that they, what he went through, they saw when people rejected. They saw when people walked away. But those 12 that were closest to him, do you not think they remembered those moments later on? That they learned from those moments and were like, oh, remember when Jesus told us about this? Remember when, when he dealt with rejection? Remember when he was beaten and everybody deserted him? Well, we're being beaten now. We're being persecuted now. We're dealing with this now. And they saw that, that model before them before they ever went through it. They saw his life. They saw the transparency. But his strength was in God. And so it wasn't, it wasn't like he was in a place of, of like, I'm leaning on my disciples. But he was in a place where he was allowing them to see him in reality. God in flesh, dwell among us so that we could actually see the love of God. It's an amazing thing. We have to be transparent. We can't be so prideful and and so uh, like our life is is just a, a secret. I'm not saying you have to open up about everything. That's not what I'm saying. Understand the difference. You don't open up to to those you're discipling about your own problems that you're going through at the moment. But you can use past things that you've learned and say, this is what I've learned through the word of God of how to deal with this, how to grow in this. You need someone that's above you to help you with the things that you're going through. My sheep know me. even in John 14:21. Let's read that real quick since we're already if you have your Bible open to John John 14:21. It says, "Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him." and show myself to him. Another version says, reveal myself or manifest myself to him. Jesus desires to reveal himself to us so that we know his true nature, so that we know who he is. Be transparent with the people that you're with. Don't don't put yourself up in a place where you look unattainable to people, where they can't come and learn from your life and and learn and be able to ask questions all right let's go to what number is that that was five okay let's do number six good job (laughs) stephen Yeah, trust. Oh. Intimacy. I know my sheep. <laughs> A plus, Stephen. <laughs> I know my sheep. That's intimacy. And my sheep know me. That's trust. So the sixth one, the sixth one, let's read verse 16. Well, let's just go on and read uh, through. We read verse 14, let's read 15. Just as my father, just as the father knows me and I know the father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Verse 16, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. One flock and one shepherd. So we talked this morning about producing, but in this idea also of producing and, and going out and making sure that all the flock is brought in. The concept that all the flock is brought in. And of course, we understand the parable of the, the 99 and the one lost sheep that Jesus said he'll go out and look for the one that is lost. But number six is the shepherd leader keeps what he has, but seeks the lost. He keeps what he has, but he seeks the lost. He keeps what he has, but he seeks the lost. Now, this is, this is an important principle. Because when you really look at this principle, I think it was, Krista mentioned last night at Young Adults, she said, you know, our generation tends to run after the feelings of things and, and not being stable in the word of God, which is, is a, a great observation because even in the Christian world, we have a generation that's running after the feelings and all of the, well, you know, I want to go to this meeting because I'm going to feel this and go to and run over here and go to this meeting and feel this. But when it comes to the difficult times, they're not rooted And so many times they're just running after the next high, the next feeling, the next moment. But they're not rooted in the things of God. And their mentality or their attitude is, what can this do for me? What can that do for me? And they're never getting to a place where they're becoming an asset to the kingdom of God and saying, what can I do for the house of God? What can I do to help build the house of God? And so they're not rooted. They're just running and trying to find the the candy they can get. And so Jesus is saying, when when you're going after the lost, you have to make sure that you're keeping what you already have. So you can't just constantly be in a place where let's go over here because this looks exciting. Let's go over here and run over and get this. Even in leadership, you can you can run around trying to attain all this knowledge and all these certificates and all of this, well, I've been through this training, I've been through that training, but how much are you keeping and establishing in your life? The concepts from the word of God. Oh yeah, I know that scripture. I know that. I know what the Bible says about that, but how much is being applied? Applied. Is it getting rooted and established in your life? Is it becoming a, fun, a foundation for you? or is it just something that you know? So that that concept of keeping what I have gained so far and not losing it, just like you see in the word of God where it talks about the parable of the seed, the parable of the sower, that the, the word of God is sowing, but so many times it gets snatched away, three out of the four times it, pro- it does not produce fruit. It gets eaten, it gets choked out, it doesn't produce fruit, only the fourth one actually produces fruit. So that tells us something that one out of four times the the sower sows the seed and it doesn't land on good soil, and only one out of four times does it ever produce fruit. So the things that we learn, are we establishing them in our life? Are we making sure that it's getting into our heart? Or is it just hitting our head? And we can regurgitate it. And throw it back out so it's it's not enough for it to just be knowledge it has to get into our heart it has to get into our heart so we have to protect and secure and establish what we have and not just run after the next best thing even though that thing is also important that lost is also important but it doesn't make a bit of sense if we're always running after what's lost and what we need, but not establishing what we have. Because if we don't take care of the sheep here that we have, and we're always running after the new, and we bring in new sheep, but then we're not taking care and discipling of what we have, then it's just a constant, it's a, a constant outflow. So there's got to be the principle of a, sh- a shepherd leader keeps what he has, but he seeks what is lost. He seeks what is lost. We have to be willing to also, as we establish and and bring these things into our foundation and our core, we do have to evaluate and look at ourselves and say, okay, what is it that's lost? What do I need that helps complete me for the commission that God has given me? Because there are things that are needed in our lives that grow us, that help us to become better, that's needed, or we'll... we'll, we'll hit a cap, we'll hit a ceiling if we don't go out and get what is lost in our lives. I understand that Jesus is talking about the lost sheep, but there's a principle behind this, just like there's a principle behind each one of these things. There was a principle behind the door, the gate. There's a principle of leadership behind this too. And that's the concept of, we can't just think that this is good enough. Like, I'm just good enough and I'm done, I'm done growing. I have to go out and find what I'm lacking. And I don't mean that you're going out in the world and finding it. But what I'm saying is there is so much knowledge and understanding in the word of God. We have to find what it is that's lacking in our life that we need to have to complete us. That's why I said this morning, I always pray for wisdom. Wisdom. Because wisdom unlocks that realm of understanding. Wisdom is the application of knowledge. So wisdom and knowledge are not the same thing. There's understanding, there's knowledge, and there's wisdom, and they're different. All three are different. Wisdom is the application, knowing how to apply what you know. So wisdom is being able to carry it through, not just having the knowledge. Just like I said, someone can repeat something and have knowledge, but not know how to exercise it in their life. Not know like, okay, that's the, that's the moment. You got you to gotta apply that now. You got to take what you know and apply that. So we must have wisdom. We must have an understanding of what is, what is lacking in my life, what is lost in my life that I need in order to complete what I'm lacking to fulfill the mission. And that's a never-ending thing. That's a constant in our life. We have always got to be growing in the things of God because as God is adding unto you, as you're faithful to do what he's telling you to do, and as he's adding, then you've got to be always ready to go to the next level and go to the next. you gotta, you got to say, okay, i got to gain this so that I can stay a, a step ahead at all times. So pursue what is lost, but do not neglect what you have. You know, it's interesting because many times what is lost is what challenges us. Many times what is lost is what annoys us. (laughs) You know why? Because we don't have it. And so the fact that it's present annoys us because it shows what we don't have. So when someone else has praise and freedom, Sometimes people will either do one of two things. They'll be attracted to that because they want it or they'll be irritated with it because they don't have it, but they don't want others to know they don't have it. And so it'll either annoy you, sometimes it'll irritate, or it will challenge you. It will cause something in your life. It will cause something to stir in your life where it's going to stretch you. But it's part of growing and it's part of life. There may be people, take for instance, um, Paul. I'm not going to turn through all the scripture, but there was an instance in, in uh, Acts when Paul actually, he set out, him and Barnabas set out and they were getting ready to go on a mission journey, and they took John Mark along with them. Well, John Mark, after they get there, and who knows what happened, whether John Mark, you know, goes along so far, and then he was like, oh, this is a lot harder than what I thought, or I'm missing home, or who knows what happened, but he's like, I'm going back, going back to Jerusalem. So he heads back home, and it made Paul mad because John Mark wasn't faithful. And so... Paul was like, never again. We're not taking him anymore. Because there's another time that comes up, and Barnabas is like, let's, let's take Paul, John, John Mark. And Paul's like, absolutely not. We're not taking He had his moment, and he failed. The door's shut. He's not coming with us. But later on in life, he actually writes in a letter to have John Mark bring the parchments, to bring the scrolls to him, that he is an aid to him, a great help to him. So somewhere along the way, things got patched up, and John Mark became a great help to Paul. The thing that you might need in your life might annoy you at times. (laughs) The person you might need in your life that is going to help you might annoy you. In fact, they might frustrate you at moments, but you might need them to complete your mission. And I'm careful in saying your mission because I'm really driving home the mission of God. It's not about each one of us having our own little mission on the side. This is the kingdom of God pushing together. We're all on the mission of what God's kingdom is advancing. And so Paul dealt with this moment, and he, and he patched it up with John Mark, and John Mark became a help to him, an assistant to him. And sometimes that key in our life for our breakthrough is that thing that's lost that we need. What is it that's lost? What is it that we need to complete it? If you have a whole car, I can give you a whole car but withhold the key. That car's not going to do much good. You're going to have a car that you can go set in. You can have a car that you can put in your driveway. You can have a car. It's not going to move though because you have no key. Because that key is the very thing that starts it and even warms you inside the car. That key is the one small thing that you need to be able to cause that car to move from place to place. So sometimes that, that, that lost thing, that added thing, that character trait, that habit, that relationship, that person, it's the thing that we need to go after. And it's the thing we have to bring home and then establish in our life. You know, I had to, when we owned the daycare, one of the things that I had to learn, you know, we were, we were young at the time. I was... Zane had, was two at the time, so that tells you how long ago it was. Um, but we were just starting out in business and, and learning how to uh, run a business. And we would have staff meetings once a month. And in those staff meetings, there was a couple of times where where I had staff. This was before cell phones, <laughs> thank the Lord, because then it probably would have been a worse issue. But... Uh, There were times that our staff would be, uh, really it was only one person that was having this issue and they would use the phone for their own personal use. Well, when you're supposed to be watching kids, you can't leave a classroom and go talk on the phone and, and have personal time on the phone and constantly have somebody cover your class. Well, there was an issue with one particular person that was doing this. So at the staff meeting, you know, I just reminded everybody at the, you know, table of 12 people that, rem- remember, we cannot be doing personal phone calls during work hours, da-da-da-da-da-da. Well, who do you think paid attention? Everybody except for the one person. <laughs> everybody else got it, and everybody else knew who I was talking about, but the person that needed it wasn't getting it. Well, I learned real quick that that wasn't the right way to handle it. So I had to do the hard thing, which is approach the person instead of calling out everybody and and reminding everybody of the issue, because it wasn't an everybody issue. It wasn't even half of the staff issue. It was one person. And so I had to learn, I can't deal with it this way. I have to go confront. I have to go deal with this. And so that had that challenged me at the time because that's not fun confrontations never fun but I had to learn to do it in order for the best to come out of the staff it was not helping everybody else sitting around the table for them to hear what I'm saying know who I'm talking about because it was very obvious and then it didn't do any good and she never learned anything but everybody knew that i was talking about her so i had to learn how to deal with confrontation it was a challenge it was something that i had to step into and something that i had to learn in leadership so the things are not always fun to learn but what does a servant leader do they sacrifice right they sacrifice for the betterment of the flock and of the vision, so it wasn't about what made me comfortable. If I wanted to be faithful in the little, then I had to make sure that I'm applying the right principle, and I had to do what God was telling me to do. Which means I have to apply leadership principles. I told Gracia the other day, I was like, if if somebody's going to be a leader, they got to do leader things. If somebody's going to be rich, they got to do rich people things. If somebody's going to be smart, they got to do smart people things. They can't do dumb people things and think that they're going to be smart. So it, it goes on down the line. Whatever it is you want to do and be in life, you got to do the things that are required because there's certain principles required for each of those things. So if you want to be a leader, you got to do leadership things. All right, let's move on to the, the last one. Same verse, verse 16, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. One flock and one shepherd. This speaks of faithfulness. This speaks of faithfulness. One flock, one shepherd. One of the, the great things about God is he is faithful. It's one of the things that I, I, I thank God for so much because I know his word is, is true and he's faithful. And he's never going to go against his word. And that's, that's my security. My security is in the faithfulness of God. And in the faithfulness of his word, it says his faithfulness is our rampart and our shield. It's what shields us from the attack. It's what, that's the very thing. His faithfulness to his promises and to his word is our shield. It's our strong tower. And so when he is faithful, then we know that we can trust in him. Well, do you think that we're supposed to be the same way? In fact, it's one of the fruits of the spirit, faithfulness. And so many times we'll, we'll get religious sounding. We're so good with, with religious cliches and, and wrapping something, wrapping our choices up in, in religious things, religious sayings. And <laughs> we'll, we'll take everything back to God, but not to the body. But Christ is the head of the body. And in fact, even when it, it talks in 1 uh, Corinthians about receiving communion, it talks about discerning the Lord's body. That many of you have fallen sick and have many have fallen asleep because you have not discerned the Lord's body. It means you've disregarded it. You've, you've, you've not placed emphasis. You've not placed high priority on the Lord's body the body is the church the body of Christ and how easily do we just throw it off like it doesn't matter like we have no responsibility to the body you know every time you make a decision it impacts the body because first of all if you're not here we're lacking in your giftings if you're not here Someone else doesn't get the benefit of receiving your hello, your love, your compliment. If you're not part of the body and being active as part of the body, you're also missing out on a blessing of serving the Lord. So your faithfulness to the body of Christ and, and we'll we'll so often say, "Well, I'm faithful to God, I'm faithful to God," but we'll leave the body out of it like it's this separate thing. But at last, I knew God didn't detach Himself from the body. Jesus is the head of the church; that He is the head, and that's why churches lose momentum. In fact, Bishop Dag Hayward Mills preached an amazing sermon on faithfulness uh, when he was in Pittsburgh a couple of weeks ago. His His whole sermon was about faithfulness and faithfulness to the body and how each one of us were to be faithful. And he said this is the reason why many churches can't gain momentum is because people don't remain faithful. When do you think that faithfulness becomes a challenge? Because it's easy to say I'm faithful until what? Until what? A test or a trial. Absolutely. And, and many times that can come how? Within the church. <laughs> because somebody got, you got mad at somebody in the church. You got offended by something somebody said. Or something wasn't going the way you thought it it needed to go that's when it becomes an issue that's when faithfulness because it's easy up until that point otherwise it wouldn't be called faithfulness because everything it's just like patience everything is easy until you have to exercise it right (laughs) until there's a test in that area faithfulness is no different loyalty is no different so when we go through those moments In fact, turn over to James real quick, the book of James, chapter 1. I'm going to read verse 2 through 4, and then I'm going to jump over to verse 12. So James chapter one, verse two says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete not lacking anything. This has to do with faithfulness. So anytime we face trials or tribulations, difficult times, troubles, then he says that you're facing a moment when you have a decision. And that decision is, will you remain faithful? Will you persevere? And then it goes down to verse 12. Um, it says, blessed is the man who perseveres under trial because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Here's another crown. I talked this morning about a crown that was given to us for shepherding, for us discipling. Well, here's another crown that we can receive. Through what? Faithfulness. Remaining. Steadfastness. Staying the course even when it's difficult, even when it's a challenge. When the body of Christ comes together and remains faithful together, faithful to one another, continually pushing forward for the purpose of God's kingdom and his vision, then we gain momentum. Steadfast. You know, it's interesting because I was listening to uh, one of the African preachers preach, and he, and he made the comment. He said, many times people, he said, just like it says, one, one, uh, one shepherd, one flock. Well, he said, one man, one wife. We take that under the, the uh, understanding of marriage and remaining faithful in marriage. But he says, what happens when someone says, oh, you know, here's my, here's my spouse, and only 80% is good. I don't have the whole 100% that I want. But there's the 20% over here. I'm going to leave the 80% and go after the 20 because she has, she has a nice hairdo. She's got nice clothes. She's got, she's got this. She's got that. And they run after the 20% and they find that they're missing the 80. How many times people do that? Where they aren't committed and they don't stay because they're chasing after the 20 when they already had the 80. That concept of grass is greener on the other side, right? Until you get over there and realize it really wasn't. That there's thorns and thistles here too. There's things here, too. So he says, be committed. Be committed. You know, there was a guy uh, we knew years ago. He was always starting another business. It was always a brand new idea. Nothing ever got built off the ground because it was always something new. I'm going to start this business. I'm going to start this business. I'm going to start this business. And it was every two, three, four years. It was a new business, a new thing. Well, nothing ever got established because he never stayed the course long enough to see any of them off the ground. But when you're committed and you're steadfast, it's a diligent hand that will see the prophet. It's a diligent hand that will see those things come to pass. And, of course, Jesus talks in John 10 about how the hireling will not stick around. When times get tough, the the hired hand, the one that's there for other reasons for himself and not for the purpose of Christ, that he doesn't have the right heart, then he'll run. He'll leave. When the sheep or when when the wolf comes in, it says he flees. And then it says, if you look at it, it says the wolf comes in and he runs and then the sheep are scattered. What happens when we make a decision and we leave our post? Because many times we're just thinking about us. Well, this is the way I think. This is the way I feel. And we aren't thinking about the sheep. We're not thinking of the long-term impact. We're not thinking of those the, that the effect is going to fall on. Let's be a true shepherd, a good shepherd. We must stop the wolves from attacking. So we have to stay at our post. We have to remain faithful. We have to remain steadfast and consistent. All of these things are so important. And you know, even, and I'll I'll throw this out there too. Men, those of you that are not married yet, or those of you that are married, all of these things that I went over, if you wrote them down, which I hope you did, if you didn't, I told you this morning to write them down. These were keys, these are keys. This is a key to what a woman wants in a marriage as a husband. So if you follow these things, even as the head of the home, the husband of the home, and you do these things. You're going to be someone that a woman is attracted to spiritually. Many times men are trying, I I know I'm totally side rail a little bit, but many times men are going after the good job, the this, the that, and they're not paying attention to the spiritual side of things. This is the good shepherd leader. This is the model of leadership. These things are anointed. If you do these things, then you will be successful in whatever area you're applying them in. Whether it's marriage, your home, your family, your children, your workplace, in a life group, in the church, wherever it's at, if you're applying these things, you will be successful. Amen? Amen. If you didn't write these down, go back and listen to the podcast. Write them down because these are life lessons. These are life lessons. All seven of these things that I gave you, they are lessons for life that we we never we never grow away from or grow above. So no matter what in life, these are things that we have to continually grow at and apply. When we go ahead and stand our feet